Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hi. And today we are discussing Season 6, Episode 11, Talk to the Hand. In this episode, Quinn stops sucking long enough to save Angel. Angel decides to get Quinn transferred anyway. Deb has a dream about smooching Dexter... And Dexter makes his own art project using Geller's severed hand. What did you guys think of this episode overall? You know, there's so much that happens in this episode that is just absolutely bonkers. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not good, but it's about par for course for season six. And I hated it, so it goes without saying. <laughs> Just, just hated it. Nothing good to say. Yeah, so for some reason, I don't know why my brain is like, okay, this wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like if I, I, start, I deep dived into hating this season and midway through with Nebraska, but then I'm like bouncing back. So I don't know. Maybe my taste buds are just off. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was okay. <laughs> I don't know, bonkers well, was a good word. It just seemed like they were just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks over and over and over. Yeah, we'll get into it here. Uh, it starts with Miami Metro on the scene of the boat that Travis and his disciples were on. Dexter arrives just as the poison gas scare clears. They follow Holly Benson's body. Uh, they find Holly Benson's body tied to a boat anchor. Deb tells Mike to contact LaGuerta. They need to get contact Homeland Security about the poison gas. They find the disciple's body. Lewis told Angel about the disciple's video. Deb realizes that Angel isn't at the scene. We cut to Travis tying up Angel at the disciple's house. Travis tells, Travis tells the disciple's wife, Beth, that she is very important to God. He gives her the poison gas and instructions on how to enter a building circumventing the metal detector. Hmm, which building will that be? These <laughs> <laughs> The easiest building to get into in Miami, yes, of course. Yes, the least secure building in Miami. I'm actually Gosh. shocked that Miami Metro has a metal detector. Like, her, her bypassing security just means she walked in the door. It's it's terrible. Oh, no, no. She does something other than that that's, that's just as stupid. Also, uh, wouldn't the metal detector be new, or did Arthur Miller have to walk... Through that, not Arthur Miller. What's his name? Arthur. Arthur Mitchell walked through it. Mitchell. Yeah. Did he walk through it? I couldn't remember. Yeah. He didn't have a weapon on him. He just walked up no. and threatened Dexter and then left. <laughs> this was after uh, he stealthily grabbed a badge. No, that's what I'm saying. I was like, <laughs> but I'm trying to remember. Was it actually there? Did they show it us? It was there. Like they do. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping that room maybe. had never been shown on Dexter before. Right. Uh, it is shown later when she sneaks into Miami Metro. It's just okay. like a long hallway with security desk at the end, and as you're walking yeah. in, you have to go to the right of the security desk to get through the metal detector after signing in. But uh, these are these are very important details to this entire <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is the stuff that matters in this episode. <laughs> you know. This is the stuff that should matter, but obviously the writers cared nothing about it. <laughs> it's all um, we can find to talk about in this episode. 
Deb calls Quinn and tells him about the missing angel in the last known place he was headed. Beth walks into her Target building. It turns out it's Miami Metro, and she can bypass security with Angel's badge. That's not how things work at all. Uh, yeah, she has a badge that she can just walk through a door right next to security with a badge that says Angel Batista, and no one like looks up and notices that it's not Angel. Okay. It's fine. Uh, this is fine. Travis calls and confirms that she needs to take out Lieutenant Morgan. For the first time ever, Homicide has a waiting area and a cop running reception for them. Yeah, that was nice. See, upgrades. They're just getting some <laughs> much-needed upgrades now that Morgan's lieutenant. Yeah, he's basically sitting where Deb's old desk was. And there's like a four-seat like waiting area now. And she just sits there. And, and nobody asks the the clearly disturbed woman that is twitchy to look in her backpack. This is all post 9-11. Oh, but obviously she got through security, so she must be okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. A lot of people in Miami are twitchy. <laughs> so Some people twitch in Miami. Some of them are murderers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Travis tells Angel that he doesn't need him anymore. Angel asks for time to pray. Quinn pulls up and comes in with his gun drawn. He finds Angel in a burning room. Quinn cuts Angel loose and tells the incoming units that Travel's marshal is on foot. Quinn lets Deb know that Angel's okay. Dexter realizes if he hadn't called with an anonymous tip, Angel would likely be dead. Deb tells Dexter that she's having dinner with Matthews and knows that he was the John that left the dead hooker behind. Dexter says Matthews may have an explanation for leaving the scene. Dexter returns to Miami Metro, walks right past Beth to get to his office. He goes looking for information on Steve. LaGuerta tells Deb that Homeland will be there soon and will need all their files. The Homicide Reception Uni tells Deb that Beth wanted to talk to her about Wormwood. Dexter finds a picture of Steve and Beth online. He looks up to see Beth walking toward Deb's office. Dexter sees Beth pull a trigger. He shoves her into an interrogation room and slams the door behind her. The gas kills her in a few seconds. Dexter is somewhat exposed and agrees to go to the ER. Okay. So, Dexter, the the gas starts coming out and Dexter pushes her in. So we see Dexter exposed there. But are they trying to say that the interrogation rooms are airtight? Because that gas would have leaked <laughs> out and killed everyone. Yes, that was <laughs> my question. <laughs> ventilation systems exist in those rooms. Like, um, it's Miami Metro. They still need those upgrades. <laughs> They're like reverse pressure, like a TB room in a hospital, maybe? I don't know. Just in case. They filled all the vents with asbestos a long time ago <laughs> to help keep the air conditioning in. I almost wish, I almost wish that uh, Beth would have also had like on one of those beer koozie hats. Yeah. So that she could like also press a button to like shoot like beer and down as <laughs> she's walking. I don't know. It's just she seemed like she was having a good time. She might as well have had a couple of beers when she died. Uh, I, th- I thought that the whole pushing the pushing of the button thing was super funny and just like I don't know, it was comical in a way where she's like click and then it's like. Well, she sets it off before she's in the room with Deb. 
Like, they're yeah. about to go in there and close the door. Like, wait ten more seconds. <laughs> but no, instead, uh, Dexter has time to notice that it's happening, shove her in there, and they, they watch her, like, face explode behind the window. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Good times. Yeah. Uh, Dexter kisses Harrison goodbye for 48 hours. Jamie shows up to take care of Harrison because that's her job on the show. <laughs> Dexter is putting them up at the Ritz for the weekend because that's what Dexter has money to do. It's like pay for daycare at the Ritz. It's like just it's put, that's poor writing to me. When, like legit, you're just like, oh, what's the most recognizable name in hotels? The Ritz. I don't know. That's silly. That you could pick any a number of hotels. Holiday Inn. I mean, Super he's, eight. he's trying to keep he's trying to keep <laughs> them safe from Travis. But there's nothing safer about a five star hotel than a three star <laughs> hotel. Like, why is he paying a thousand dollars a night for them to stay at the Ritz in Miami? He's just up and up in the pay for Jamie to make it worth a forty eight hour shift. Jamie reminds Dexter to pick up an animal and to pick an animal and be in Harrison's Noah's Ark pageant. Uh, then Dexter immediately decides that since Miami Metro has been sidelined by Homeland Security, he needs to go after Travis himself. Travis himself. <laughs> Travis might as well chase traffic. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this damn traffic. Yeah. I gotta go after traffic in Miami. <laughs> Uh, Jamie reminds Dexter to pick an animal for Harrison's Noah's Ark pageant. I'm just going to throw that at the end of every line now. Uh, Dexter has a dizzy spell and decides he needs to make Travis come to him. Travis sees that Beth's attack on Miami Metro failed on the news. He's decided that's no setback. It must be what God wanted. We see that Travis has killed a couple and is hanging in their house with their cat. Show, I'm glad he didn't kill the cat. To show just how evil he is. Well, it's what God yeah. wanted. Okay, it's it's been a while now, but let's talk about Travis for a second. Travis was working with Professor Geller, as far as we knew, for the first two-thirds of the season or so. Then we find out that he killed Dr. Geller like three years ago. And then Dexter told him that Geller was dead, and in Travis's mind, that means that Dexter killed him, because he couldn't accept the fact that he'd killed him himself. But when I, when I remember watching this originally, I didn't really put as much, uh, I didn't really pay as much attention to the fact that he blamed the killing on Dexter, and I thought that his particular psychosis would bring Geller back and that we would see Travis acting in two different ways, like Fight Club style, where sometimes he's Geller and sometimes he's Travis. But instead, he's a third new character who's neither mm -hmm. one of them. He's like just really, really pious Travis who never breaks a sweat, never gets nervous, and is just like evil serial killer mastermind now. We can call him Traffic. <laughs> yeah, he basically... It's like... I feel like it's split. Where, like, we get all these personalities and then we, we'll just keep getting new ones whenever we they feel like it. So now we've got Traffic, the Travis killer, 
<laughs> and, uh, and he's he's doing whatever he wants, but he's damn good at it. And he's an awesome painter, by the way. I mean, I got to give him skills or props for those skills. Those painting skills were pretty good. But but why? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Like he can paint like Geller could now. He's just ex- and like. <laughs> Does he think that he just got the gift of painting because Geller's dead? Or is he still sometimes Geller and they're just not showing it? Like, these are things that don't add up at all. It's just like they completely forgot what they had written all along with the two different characters. Okay, we've now exposed the big secret. Now it's just... We're just going to get rid of those two characters. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he really turns those acting chops on. He's like, okay, time to act. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where when you kill somebody, you absorb their skill set. And so as he just continues to kill, he just becomes more and more powerful. It's the only thing that makes sense. So now he knows how to use blogs because he killed that Steve guy? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't there like a video game or a movie or something that 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 like that's the thing, right? Like Where you, you get people's you, powers? Yeah, that's what Mega Man is. Oh, it's like Highlander, kind Mega of. Mega Man. Is it? Oh, I was thinking of uh, like Heroes. Like on Heroes, there was Skyler. Skyler would Skyler would do yeah. like he'd he'd get their power or whatever. Yeah, because he could eat the, see their brain. Yeah. Man, now I can fly. <laughs> How do we end up talking about a shittier show? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hero! It wasn't worse than season six. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. After season one, it's pretty pretty much terrible. Season two is uh, is pretty rough, man. Like, yeah, I loved season one, and then everything else was like, oh, and no. then it just went straight to hell. <laughs> Yeah, even Heroes Reborn was still like not nope. quite there. Nope. <laughs> it's no Dark Knight Rises, I'll tell you that much. Oh man, <laughs> what Colin Hanks tell you about that's, it? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> uh, so Deb and Captain Matthews arrive to dinner. Matthews tries to persuade Deb to give up on the Call Girl case, but she tells him she knows he was one of the Call Girl's clients. Matthews tells Dub he's been alone for a very long time. He tried to revive her after the OD, but she wouldn't breathe. Dub says she's not sure what to do, and Matthews asks her to keep his involvement quiet as a favor. She agrees. Because didn't he, didn't he say something like, in, in three months I get my retirement, my full retirement, or something like that? He says something weird about his retirement, because like that comes up later. When LaGuerta pulls her shit. Yeah. I... I, I deeply ignored what <laughs> was going on with this, this, entire scene. this plot thread. Again, these are the things that matter <laughs> about this episode. Um, I didn't recognize... I didn't write down the context, but uh, Masuka, instead of saying tomato, tomato, says bukaki, bukake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deb and Homeland Security have a quick <laughs> briefing. The Homeland agent wants to interview officers, starting with Angel. Quinn apologizes to Angel, but Angel says he can no longer work with a partner he can't trust. 
I'm sorry, I'm just going to call this out real quick, but Brooke just looks just like she's <laughs> not interested in, in life at all. <laughs> sorry. I'm following along. Like, this whole I've episode got, is so ridiculous, I don't I care. I have nothing have to, to say. say. <laughs> no, I'm listening. I'm following along. I'm looking at my notes. I just have, there's, I'm just ready for it to be over. <laughs> You're like that kid in class that's just like, I right. showed up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Brooke is our first ever live audience member. This I episode. didn't do my homework. <laughs> Just pretend you don't see me. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I swear I'm reading. I'm reading the notes. <laughs> yeah. Because I intentionally uh, remember very little. Well, well, here, here we go. This is something for you. Uh, <laughs> Deb has yet another therapy session. The therapist asked <sighs> Deb if Deb's poor choices in men. <laughs> are because of her special relationship with Dexter. The therapist says you're not biologically related. Deb's not hearing it. She bails. What kind of a therapist is this woman? A Scott Buck therapist. This is just where it all falls apart. It hasn't fallen apart yet. It's all, all bad. All bad. It hasn't fallen apart yet? (laughs) I mean, no, no. It hasn't... We are close to rock bottom. You know, we are not at rock I mean, bottom yet. We are right there. Right there. Surprise, <sighs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Surprise is right. Lewis runs into Dexter by the elevator. He says he's realized he needs to stop living on the sidelines with games and needs to get in the uh, needs to get out there himself. Back at his apartment, Lewis draws lines with a marker on the ice truck killer mannequin hand. He packs it into a box and addresses it to Dexter. Dexter makes a fake tableau with Geller's severed hand to provoke Travis. Asuka determines the hand is Geller's. We find out that Dexter disposed of the rest of Geller in the ocean. Hopefully that won't be necessary to have later. Uh, Travis sees the news coverage of Dexter's tableau. Dexter sends him a video message claiming to be the Beast. He flashes the slice of life in the background, and Travis writes down the name of the boat, quickly changes his painting of the beast to Dexter's face in what seems like about 30 seconds. But he does a great job. Yeah. It's good good detective work on Travis's end. Um, it's a good thing we don't have technology during this time period that could probably trace all of these videos and phone calls and, and things, uh, you know, covering their own paper trail, so to speak. It's it's a good time to be a serial killer, is what I'm saying. Well, tra- yeah, Travis knows who <laughs> Dexter is, and I guess Dexter's confident that he can get get hold of Travis's phone and stop them from finding out that he's baiting yeah. Travis into things. Right? I mean, essentially, like think of like there's these little again the details that matter here. It's <laughs> like eventually that phone gets to the police, and then that phone gets hacked and then that phone has a video of Dexter being like come and get some bitch and then them being like well this is strange but it's Miami Metro so I guess it doesn't really matter it's just uh. he should have used Snapchat with Snapchat your (laughs) messages disappear as soon as someone watches them yeah exactly unless they don't would have been wonderful he'd have had like the dog filter (laughs) I'm the beast. <laughs> woof, woof. Yeah, like, 
Come get me, Travis, and opens his mouth, and, like, rainbow <laughs> comes out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that would have been much better. Matthews tells Deb that he's been asked to retire. Her not letting it go got him into trouble. He tells her she just screwed over the last guy that can protect her from a job she's not ready for. Deb chews out Angel and Quinn for the nonsense that almost got Angel killed. She said, no more fuck-ups. We'll get Travis Marshall. You got it? Got it. Deb confronts LaGuerta (laughs) about screwing over Matthews. She tells Deb that from now on, Deb will do what LaGuerta says or she will replace Deb. Deb tells Dexter about it over Chinese food. There's a lot of close-ups of Dexter's mouth. Dexter puts his hand over Deb's. He tells her he's always with her. He puts his hand on her heart and kisses her, but it was all a dream. And that then scene Travis just made me queasy. I couldn't even sit through it. Uh, th- th- that scene sealed the deal for me. This show is the best show. It's got the most fun twists. Okay, Donald you never Trump. even. Th- <laughs> <laughs> is the best Define show. fun, because that is it's not the, a fun twist pr- for me. Dexter gets the he gets the best women all the time. I mean, it's his sister, but it's not his sister. He can kiss her anytime he wants. Yeah. It's not biological. Yeah, like if if it if it wasn't his sister, like. I'd get with uh, it, you know. But it, <laughs> I want to thank you very much for making this podcast great again. Uh, <laughs> this scene is so, so bad. And it... this It, it comes just, out of nowhere. Nowhere it's in... It's just the beginning. Nowhere in six seasons have we been building to this at all. But, like, here... Here you oh, go. I think we have. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen the tension since season one when we could see Jennifer Carpenter's ribs when she was out on Vice, uh. and she's like, Dex, I'm coming for you. Just give me six years. <laughs> yeah, when she was, like, severely underweight in the pilot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dexter finally figured out there's a hot dog stand. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. Uh, Thanks, Scott Buck. Travis wanders towards Dexter's trap, but Dexter starts to bleed and goes dizzy. Travis turns the M99 around and knocks Dexter out. Dexter wakes tied up to a boat with a bunch of fuel. Travis has made a ring of fire around Dexter in the water. He lights it, and we see the fuel on the boat explode. Travis drives off and misses that Dexter swims under the fire and surfaces. I hate this. I hate this so bad in in movies and TV, whatever. Somebody's sick and nothing bothers them for X amount of hours. And then right when they need to do something, it's like, oh, I got cancer and falls over. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, why? Why is just now the poison bothering him? So that's funny that that's the thing that bothers you because to me it's the thing where somebody sets something on fire, they see the explosion, they assume they're dead, but they always yeah. escape. It's like what? This is you're you're an idiot. Just, just give it give it two minutes. If he doesn't come up in two yeah. minutes, then he's then he's gone. Then he's dead. So stupid. Um, I mean, all of it's stupid. Did, but. did Travis monologue to him before he he walked off? Because that's normally what Bond villains do. 
He did it before he blew him up because yeah. there wasn't anybody to talk to as far as he knew after the explosion. Yeah. He thought Dexter yeah, blew something, up. Something about God's plan and God wants it this way and they, God touched me. and They did it like... <laughs> For as good of an effect as they made there with the ring and the the explosion in the middle, they didn't explain that that was the lake of fire until the next episode. Like, he, he carried out the lake of fire, and it would have been a much cooler reveal when that happened. But by that point, we're like, well, he, did, he didn't get Wormwood to work out right, and we're not really sure what the next thing is because they haven't really told us about it yet, but... Then the next episode, somehow they have a picture of this explosion, um, and they decide that it's the Ring of Fire. Yeah, to me, as a, <laughs> My as, Metro as, somehow as a producer, has a picture of this. As a producer, thinking of it story-wise, especially with like cliffhangers and penultimate episodes, it's like, have the explosion, have Travis leave, don't show Dexter resurfacing... So that way, your expo- like your audience is like, oh shit, maybe he did finally get Dexter, like whatever, you know, like we don't know, and then initiate it with the Ring of Fire. However, you know, they come to find out or whatever. Like, there's just poor storytelling, you know. Well, it, it gets even stupider in that we see him treading water, and we know that in his like post gas state, there's no way that he can maintain that for for very long. But then by the next episode, he has, like, the bow of the boat that blew up. And he's holding onto that, and it has, like, a water bubble in it, so it stays up. It's like, A, where did that come from? And B, how is that any easier for him to, like, survive for hours and hours? Yeah. When he gets dizzy and bleeds out of his nose every 45 minutes. Uh, only when it matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the then, like he's being rescued, and then he his start, his nose starts bleeding, and he goes under, and they're like, "Up, oh, can't rescue him." <laughs> and goes in the cage. Cage goes in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. Well, and adieu to your fair Spanish ladies. <laughs> Sorry, I needed to add a little Jaws into this because Jaws uh, makes everything. Yeah, Jaws improves fun. everything. Little Captain Quint. Uh, this was directed by Ernest Dickerson, who directed nine episodes between seasons three and eight. Written by Mandy Cotto and Tim Schlattman. Uh, Manny is the one that came on with season five showrunner Chip Johansson and ended up staying until the bitter end, co-writing the season finale with Scott Buck. Tim Schlattman wrote for all eight seasons, except for his one episode in season five and his season two, episode five. The Dark Defender was nominated for a Writers Guild of America Award for Episodic Drama. What was the worst line of the episode? I think I, see, I got um, Dexter saying, it's time for my dark passenger to take the wheel again. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot worse ones. I just wasn't paying that much attention to really get a good one. <laughs> I went with maybe it takes a beast to catch a beast. Yeah. Yeah, but they're all bad. I went with bukaki bukake. Mm-hmm. 
And how about the performance of the episode? <clears throat> Are we going to do a best line? <laughs> Go. Uh, do you have like, one? Oh, okay, I mean, best line of the episode. You get MVP for even having one. Uh, no, not really. I just yeah. like that it's oh, a okay, better line than the worst line. <laughs> uh, mine was fuck luck, I'll take you. Deb to Dex. And she's like, hey, oh, big brother. Nope. Couldn't pick anything from that now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I get it. Now we're not even doing best line because it's just I not there. I <laughs> actually did like a line uh, where he talks about I thought that I had uh, s- uh, set my course correct because my dark passenger was back and how did I how did I end up so lost? Uh, I can't remember the exact line, but that uh, that's the one I I chose. As for per, as for performance, I guess Deb. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, she can't get it just for content alone. I'm holding that against her completely. I went with Beth just because she died. Pretty cool. I feel like you should blame the psychiatrist. Uh, yeah, I was gonna give it to Deb too. <laughs> Well, I blame. I can't. I can't. Then who do you give it to? I went with Beth because she died in a pretty cool death scene. That's, hey. that's the bar now. How good did you die? Hey, I was a good. It was a good death scene. Bukaki, bukake, everyone. Bukake. That'll do it for this episode. Such as it was. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next Deeply Discussing Dexter.